Welcome everybody, it's day 38 on our 40 day tour through the Gospel of John and we are in the most difficult to read chapter in John's Gospel. But I want to invite you to read it with a broader perspective that this is the Good Friday story now starting with the beginning of John chapter 19. But as the famous preachers say, it's Friday but Sunday's coming. The Easter sun will rise. The darkness is settling in in the middle of this Good Friday, but it is a Good Friday. I remember one of the first football games I ever watched on TV. Man, when I was a little kid, I just loved watching football games on TV. My friends and I, we all had our favorite teams. We would pretend that we were those players. We'd go out into our backyards and reenact the plays to the best of our ability. There was this one particular game that stands out, one of the first games I ever saw. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers against the then Oakland Raiders. They moved about 27 times since then, but it was the Oakland Raiders then. Oakland was favored to win. Pittsburgh was up and coming. They had a quarterback named Terry Bradshaw, uh, and they had a running back named Franco Harris. There's only time for one more play. Pittsburgh's losing, and unless they get a touchdown, the game is over. Oakland wins. They'll advance in the playoffs. Pittsburgh's season will be done. Terry Bradshaw, the Pittsburgh quarterback, drops back to pass, and here comes Oakland on the rush, and they're pursuing him, and he scrambles, and he finally throws a desperation pass. One of the Oakland defenders tips it. The ball goes up in the air. The game's over. Maybe a few of the fans saw something else. There was one player in particular, the future Hall of Fame running back for Pittsburgh, Franco Harris, number 32, he saw something else. He saw the football being tipped by the Oakland player, and he saw it spiraling toward the ground where everybody thought the game was over, but Franco Harris realized he had a chance. Not a great chance, but a chance. And so he started moving toward the ball, and right before it hit the ground, he reached down in desperation, and he grabbed onto the football with his fingertips, pulled it up, and ran free and clear into the end zone for the winning touchdown. It's called the Immaculate Reception. It even has a religious connotation to it, and I'll never forget it. Even though they aren't my favorite teams, they aren't my favorite players, I'll never forget it because what we thought we saw, if we looked a little bit closer and maybe with eyes of faith more than the eyes of what we were seeing on the screen, we would have seen a deeper truth. We would have seen that the game isn't over. We would have seen that there's a big comeback about to break through the immaculate reception. Jesus is dying on a cross toward the end of our reading today in John chapters, John chapter 19, verses 1 to 27. Before that, he's Still on trial, Pilate has him flogged in verse 1. The soldiers are mocking him. They put the crown of thorns on him. They drape a purple robe over him to make fun of him, not because they really think he's a king. What they're saying is obviously he isn't a king. The desperation pass has been deflected. It's getting knocked down. This Jesus, who everybody hailed as the king of the Jews on Palm Sunday, now just five days later was being crucified in a humiliating way. The soldiers knew they had the victory. They knew the game was over. But it's not over until it's over. Pilate went outside again, and he said, I'm going to bring him out to you. But understand clearly, this is verse 4 of John 19, that I find him not guilty. Pilate's starting to realize, you are crucifying him unjustly, and I want no part of it. 
Jesus comes out wearing the crown of thorns, the hum- humiliation of the purple robe, and Pilate says, Behold, look, here's the man. Here he is. Behold the man. It is true in human history that when people worshiped false gods, they would build statues to represent that God. The difference between the one true God is when this God wants to be represented, instead of building a statue to a false idol, to a God who doesn't exist, God's statue is showing up in the person of Jesus Christ, showing up as a human being, showing up as as John's gospel says at the introduction, John chapter 1, is the word that becomes human and dwells among us, full of grace and truth, the word that is, was, and always will be. Well, now this word that creates the universe by speaking it into existence with the power of God, now this word becomes human. This is God's Well, it's not a statue, it's a living being. This is God's representation on earth. And so the irony of Pontius Pilate saying, behold the man, behold the the statue of God, behold the, the living proof that this God doesn't have any power. What he really should be saying, if he could look closer, if he could see what's really happening in this moment, in this holy moment, he should be saying, behold, the God who's become human, the word that created this entire universe, the word that brings life, now stands before you as the king of all kings, but he's being mocked, he's being underestimated, he's about to be crucified, the crowds are turning on him, and only a few people can see it, only a faithful few, some of the women who were Jesus' disciples along with Jesus. Jesus' mother Mary are there, and John himself is there. That's it. Peter's denied him and is hiding out. uh, Judas has betrayed him and is long gone. The other disciples have abandoned him. Who does Jesus have left? He ends up getting nailed to a cross between two common criminals. That's how Jesus is going to die this humiliating death. Desperation passed. The game is over. But it's not over until it's over. The leading priests, the religious priests, shout out, crucify him. And then Pontius Pilate says, you crucify him. He says, well, our law says that he should die because he claims to be the son of God. When Pilate heard that, he had this epiphany moment. He had this moment where he realized, my goodness, this has suddenly gotten way bigger than us. It's as if Pilate saw Frank O'Harris about to grab on to, to this football, the immaculate reception, and turn the whole course of the game and play off NFL history around. This is so much bigger than that. This is Jesus turning all of human history around. And Pilate's starting to see it, and he realizes that he's playing a part. He has this epiphany moment, and John's gospel says that he was frightened. The original Greek word is bigger than that. He was absolutely overwhelmed with fear. Jesus ultimately gets nailed to a cross, and I want to invite you to find yourself in this story. Are you Pilate who starts to see it at the last moment? Good, then turn to Jesus and put your trust and faith in him. Are you the soldiers who think the game is over and you're mocking him and and, and making fun of Jesus and his followers in the world today? You're missing the best part of the story for you. 
Are you the religious leaders who are so lost in the self-righteousness of bad religion that you can't see? Behold the man, behold the God, behold the savior of the world, your savior, the one you need that your religion can't do for you. This one comes to bring the relationship of God to you. Or are you like the very few faithful disciples who still stand with Jesus? Oh, put yourself in their sandals. Because at the very end, Pilate is scared. The crowd is angry. The soldiers are mocking Jesus. But John, the beloved disciple, who gives testimony and writes this story, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and some of the other women, they're standing there at the cross and they hear Jesus say, even as he dies, these words of kindness. Woman, here is your son, he says to his mother Mary, and then to John, here is your mother. Even while he's dying, he puts the needs of others ahead of himself. I am with you. When my brother-in-law Joe died of Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, uh, this last summer, my wife Sally was there at his bedside right before he died. I think Joe knew he was dying. And he knew he was with Jesus. (laughs) He was faithful to the end. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. And his last words to Sally, my wife, were, Jesus is with me. Jesus will always be with me. Jesus will always be with you. And so it is, even when it looks like the game is over. It isn't over until it's over. Behold the man. Behold the God who is with you always. We'll see you tomorrow. Please like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. And join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Oh,